I've been debating all weekend the right way to start today's show. What is the right way here on a Monday in mid-May to do this? Because we're going to do some things this week that have never happened. I'd argue in the history of WOFX, 95.9, And Don't forget if you're driving around the Capital Region, that preset HD radio 1031-2. Beautiful quality. Shout out to Dave Hart Engineer for doing that. So 95.9, or that preset 1031-2 on the HD, the newer vehicles. I've been debating how to start today's show. Because not only in the history of WOFX, but in the history of the LeVac and Gaz show, we haven't done something like this before. If you've been following my partner, my pal, LeVac, on social media, you know that over the course of the next few days, he is in Disney. He is in Orlando. He's had this trip planned for months with his wonderful daughter. Now, it is the year 2023, though. Now, although LeVac is in Orlando, that does not mean you will not hear his voice over the next five days. We've got New York sports to talk about. We've got local issues to talk about. I'm sure he wants to give his recap of what's going on in beautiful Florida. So fear not. If you're looking forward to hearing takes from LeVac and interviews with LeVac, he is still going to be here. Thank you to technology. You're still going to hear his takes. Now, with that theme of Disney, though, surrounding this week's show, I wondered here on this Monday, the best way to open the show besides talking about Disney and how wonderful LeVac's enjoying his time on vacation Should I open with the good news in New York sports or the bad news in New York sports? We've already had enough on a Monday. So I'm opting to go with the good news from this past weekend. But to put New York sports fans in a good mood, let's talk about the New York Yankees splitting the series with the Tampa Bay Rays. Aaron Judge. Yeah, missing for that early part of the season. Yankee fans wondering when he was going to come back. We get the news just last week that Big 99's back in the lineup, and he delivers. Aaron Judge, two home runs in that six-run comeback over the weekend when the Bronx Bombers take down the Rays 9-8. to And in the most recent matchup, what, just a few feet away for potentially having another one? Ball caught. Way back, Aaron Judge, the final fly out to center field, the final out of the game. It could have been something different. But the Rays and the Yankees split that four-game set, two games apiece. And the Yankee fan, I know some of these words I'm about to say usually never enter your vocabulary. Satisfied. Settle. Not first place good enough. All three of those are hard to swallow. You don't want to swallow one of them. But just take a step back for me, if you can. Mr. Pinstripe Pants himself, I'm not looking at him today, and I'm sure he'd be yelling and screaming at me because none of those things Yankee fans want to do. Settle, not be in first place, be satisfied. But that's pretty good. A two-game set, a two-game set in either direction and four overall in that series. It could have been 3-1 with no comeback. It could have been swept how this series had begun. Think about how much worse it could have been here on this Monday for New York sports fans. If the Bronx Bombers got smacked by Tampa and that basketball team we'll get to in a little bit also got knocked out. Yankee fan, be happy with what just happened there. The Yankees took two of four against Tampa. You're still within striking distance. For our favorite investors, we'll say, if you like to invest in the games like you know LeVac and I do, the Yankees are still in that top five to six mix to win the American League, depending on what sports book you use. So everyone's not counting out the Yankees yet. Oh, and by the way, if you want a little bit more positive here on this Monday, 
The Yankees do not sit in last place. That is the Boston Red Sox. And you'll hear from our friend Brady Farkas, Capital Region native, Shin High School graduate. He's been covering the Red Sox for years out of the New England area. Brady's going to join us in less than an hour to talk about the Red Sox. But New York Yankee fans, all right. Things are improving. Things are getting better. You're eight games back now from the Rays. You have something to celebrate in some ways. The team's improving. Aaron Judge is playing well. And it's not as bad as it was two weeks ago. Not as bad as it was last week. Yankee fans rejoice on a Monday. Good things to come for the Yankees. More positive things on the way. And you get Toronto in an AL East matchup coming up. Where all of a sudden you can start chipping away a little bit at Toronto's lead on you in the AL East. And then you look forward to the schedule. You get Baltimore coming up. Are my O's for real? They're fun to watch. Cedric Mullins with the cycle over the weekend. The crowds are hot at Camden Yards. Kevin Brown hopefully will be joining us later here in the month, a broadcaster. He's having the time of his life. But maybe the Yankees are a little better still. Yeah, that's very possible. So Yankee fans, positives to look forward to. You took some games from the Rays. You've got matchups where you can chop away at the AL East. Aaron Judge is playing great baseball. And you know what the team needs to improve going forward. So there's the positive start to here on a Monday. People are enjoying the nice weather. People are on vacation. The Yankees are winning. I wish I could have that for a full two hours. Life is good in the 518. Life is good for the Capital Region sports fan. I wish I could keep that theme going. But I'm sure many thought we would open with the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks season has ended. 96 to 92 losers in game six of the Eastern Conference semifinals to the eighth-seeded Miami Heat. Levac and I were texting back and forth during this game. The Knicks had their opportunities in that fourth quarter. Jalen Brunson did about as much as he could to keep that team in it. And there was almost something that happened in that game that Knicks fans maybe not have seen since the 90s were in a playoff game. The Knicks got something to go in their favor. I was ready to start having the social media post call it the Empire Elbow, where Jalen Brunson gets the elbow to the face, the free throws, the ball back. The Knicks have an opportunity to have a massive comeback late in the game. This could have been, as we talked about it on Friday, a franchise-changing win if New York would have been able to go on the road in South Beach and beat the Heat. That's what could have been. But instead, the free throws go in. Jalen Brunson tries to make a play in a double team, tries to force a pass. He's got a shooter outside he doesn't trust. Great defense by Miami. Ball's turned over. And that's the end. 96-92. Miami advances to take on Boston for a shot at the NBA Finals. The criticism's going to fall on Julius Randle. In that Game 6 performance, just 15 points. One of seven from beyond the arc. Three of 14 from the field. Years ago, remember that series with the Hawks and the Knicks? Where New York Nick fan can go back and say, ah, you know, if Julius Randle had a little bit of help against Atlanta, the guy can't do it by himself. The guy can't beat Kevin Herter and company by himself. Imagine how much better the New York Knicks could be if Julius Randle got some weapons around him. Ah, this, this is the guy. He is him, as the internet likes to say, talking about superstars. Well, the Knicks went out and found Randall some help. They got Jalen Brunson. 
R.J. Barrett, who, think about this, the way the sports world has gone. Isn't R.J. Barrett poised to have a better career than Zion Williamson and Ja Morant? That's going to be an interesting topic for the rest of the summer. But R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, Jalen Brunson, there are younger guys who are developing, and more importantly, the Brunson move, there's the guy you want around Julius Randle. It's not even debatable anymore that Jalen Brunson is the best player on the Knicks. And Julius Randle's not the guy. Simple, easy, soft at times. I won't rip Randle too much like others have done over the last 48 to 72 hours. But we just have to accept he's not going to be Patrick Ewing. He's not Walt Frazier. He's not this next great Nick legend who's going to take the team to the next level. He's a fine player in the NBA. Third team all NBA selection this season. He's good. He's not the Greek freak. He's not Jimmy Butler. He's not Jokic. So Nick fan, I think we all have to accept this at this point. Julius Randle's a nice player. He is not going to get this team to an NBA championship. Three of 14 in the game that mattered the most. When the ball went in his hands, he wasn't making plays. He's got a limited skill set from one for seven from beyond the arc. And we've known that for years. That's it. So what's the play now, though, if you're a Nick fan? Can't trade Randall because he's kind of been exposed now in the postseason. Is there a team that's pounding down the doors to get Julius Randall? The Lakers are interesting, right? It could be, it could be the Lakers. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Lakers have already done this with Julius Randle. I mentioned him because how Anthony Davis could play against Jokic, and if he needs a big body talent, that's not the right spot. Boss, they don't need it. All the teams that have already gotten further in the playoffs that you can make an argument to have Julius Randle, they don't need him because they've gotten further than the Knicks. So trading them is going to be tough. Adding a superstar is going to be tough. Who's it going to be? We're going to have another summer of people screaming for Damian Lillard to come to New York. Lillard and Brunson? Is, is that okay? You mentioned Zion. He actually got healthy. How different the world could have been. But Knicks fans, this is it. You had your opportunity to take down Miami. You leaned on the guys you built the roster with. That's a hell of a lot better than other New York Knicks rosters we've seen over the last 10 to 15 years. There it was right in front of you. Julius Randle's got to make some plays. Jalen Brunson's got to make some plays. Brunson did it. I thought R.J. Barrett was okay in this series. He's up and down, but he's okay. In some games, he was really good, but he only had 11. I felt for you, Knicks fans. I thought about coming on with like some depressing music, something to just totally bring down the mood of the Knicks season. Expectations just two weeks ago, once Miami upset the Bucs, it was that, oh, my God. Like, we could see a New York versus Boston Conference Finals, the Celtics versus the Knicks. It could happen. It could be real. Nick's the favorite in the series. They had everything in place for him. All right, Randall, go make a play. Jalen Brunson, go do it. Tibbs, let's see if you could out-coach Eric Spolster, who's got multiple NBA championships under his belt and is having, arguably, the best coach in the NBA now. I get Greg Popovich is there, but the Spurs aren't very good. Spolster's been tested just as much, if not more, than anybody else now left in the playoffs. Wasn't good enough. Is the future bright in New York? Is it better than it's been in the past? No doubt. But if you think this roster with Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, R.J. Barrett, Grimes, and Top, and you know the names we've gone over and over throughout this month, it's not good enough at this point. And how you improve? Luca's not coming. Who do you find the next big body? 
We're going to have to figure it out. It's not going to be that easy to all of a sudden yell and scream from the rooftop, we need so-and-so. Because if Julius Randle's on this roster and you consider him the number one guy, it's not going to work. If you could make Randle your third option, okay, maybe. Second option after Brunson, even that's going to be pushing it. He just got exposed in the postseason. I want to come on and celebrate the Knicks season. I want to say, you know what? This Knicks team has gone further than any other Knicks team we've almost seen in the last 10-plus years since the days of the early 2010s with Carmelo Anthony. There's something that should be celebrated by this Knicks team winning the actual playoff series, getting to the semifinals of the Eastern Conference, pushing Miami, and having a chance to push it to a Game 7. I, w- I want to be more positive about the Knicks because they are getting better, they're improving, and everything else. But that's not the attitude about Knicks fans today, and it shouldn't be. Because the hopes were up there. The dream was a lie for New York basketball fan that this team could finally be that team. It had laid out perfectly for them. Yeah, they were going to get Boston in the conference finals. And Boston, we'll get to you in about 90 seconds here. But Boston was that team they were going to have an opportunity to face and see what they could do. And they didn't always look great in that opening round series, the Celtics. They were pushed. Nick fan, the offseason Don't get too hyped about Damian Lillard. Try to find out if Julius Randle can go to another team. Man, I keep keep thinking about Minnesota. Could Carl Anthony Towns for Julius Randle work? Could Anthony Edwards maybe be that guy? Could Minnesota be the team with Anthony Edwards closing in on superstar status? Imagine Edwards and Brunson figure out a deal to make that happen. Maybe Minnesota thinks they can be the ones, though, who can eventually take off the Western Conference. That's the team I would tell you to look out for upcoming over this summer that maybe Minnesota could be the trading partner for the Knicks to improve that team. Oh, by the way, Boston and Philly. I told you when we signed off on Friday, I said if I had two bets for you, I would take the Red Sox money line. That was my play of the day thanks to Mohawk Chevrolet. That absolutely stunk. But I told you if that line is going to sit at 6.5 for the Celtics and the Sixers, you got to put the house on Boston. Boston's not going to beat Philly on Sunday. They're going to smack the Sixers. You might have watched the game. You might have saw highlights on Mother's Day. Boston destroyed Philly. Jason Tatum, who could have predicted, hopefully everybody, that after that horrible 13 for 14 miss, one of 14 to start in game six, that he had something to prove in game seven. And he did that. As for Philadelphia, I saw this from Ken Schott here locally. I'm going to give him credit for this take on social media. Ken Schott said, RIP to trust the process. That's exactly right. If you've been following the trust the process method, if you've been seeing exactly what's going on with the rebuild in Philadelphia, that is dead. Done. Over. The rebuild never worked. Philly never even got to an Eastern Conference Finals the last 20 seasons. If you're a Philadelphia sports fan and you want to blame Doc Rivers for the loss, rightfully so. I don't get the Doc Rivers thing. I never I never understood it. He blew this series with the Clippers during the COVID year. He didn't catch a lot of heat. Oh, yeah, he did. He got fired. The Boston Celtics team that had Pierce and KG and Ray Allen. Only one championship. But time in and time out, Doc Rivers gets another opportunity. You could even argue he failed up from going from the Clippers to the Sixers. So what did Doc Rivers do in this series that all of a sudden put Philadelphia in a better spot to win? I don't have the answer for that. 
I know from the moment of that tip-off, that seemed like Boston all day. Joel Embiid, I saw the social media comments, and I don't even know if it's even real or if they've just been trying to pump up the MVP stuff for Embiid that says we can't do it by ourselves. It can't be me and Harden and everything. They've given Joel and Joel Embiid can't start pointing the finger. They've given this guy every chance to have it. He had Ben Simmons at one point. They brought in players. They did that. Eventually, the ownership's got to be on Embiid and the Sixers front office. Maybe he isn't the guy either. I know he won the MVP, but Philadelphia got smoked. Hopefully, for the sake of sports that trust the process thing for your team being historically bad for years and then flipping around and not having it pay off is better for the sports. Don't have to see terrible basketball from teams on the court. But we're going to get Boston and Miami. Should be a really good Eastern Conference Finals, although I think Boston might run away with this unless Miami wins early in this season. This could be a five-game set unless Miami is able to grab one in the first two home games for Boston in Game 1 and Game 2 coming up. And in the Western Conference Finals, we've got the Nuggets and the Lakers. Could be more even. That could be a seven-game series. So much good basketball coming. New York fans, I know you were hoping the Knicks were going to be in it. That's not the case. Yankee fans... Life is not so bad. I'm sure we'll talk some Mets later on as well. We've got a packed show on a Monday in May. Now, even though you haven't heard Levac's voice quite yet, you're going to hear it coming up because our pal from Sports Illustrated, Matt Vernaram, joins us. So if you're a Bills fans, Jet fans, Giant fans, the schedule's out. Matt's become famous for going through the entire schedule, week one to now week 18, all the way to the Super Bowl and making picks. We're not going to do that. We don't have that much time today. We're not going to have him go game by game by game. We do want to still entertain you. But we're going to look at how it laid out for the New York teams, what New York teams may have been discouraged by their schedule draw, which New York teams can benefit, what teams to look out for when you're talking about the 2023 regular season in the NFL. Could maybe surprise some people. And I will do my best to force him into a Super Bowl pick. All that's on the way coming up. You're listening to LeVac and Gaz right here on WOFX 95.9 and 9.80, the voice of the Capital Region sports fan. How about elevating your brand with my friends at Elevation 10,000? LeVac, you're with you. And when I talk about elevating your brand, it's the things that you may not think of. Or maybe it's a couple things you did think about, but you didn't think of the whole package and how you can take where you are and leave that in the dust and go way all the way up. Elevation 10,000 can do it all for you. Whether you're talking about the apparel you wear in the office, apparel you sell, uniforms for Little League, signs, uh, marketing. They do marketing. They're an award-winning video facility they do videos for companies whether it be for promos or commercials and they have a wall of awards for what they've been able to do the beauty of it is is it's soups and soup to nuts man top to bottom whatever you need to elevate your brand elevation 10,000 is gonna be able to help you do just that they even help you with a strategic marketing plan made just for you and your company signs apparel marketing video audio if you need to elevate your brand you need to get a hold of elevation 10,000 Fox Sports Radio 95.9 and 9.80. Right now, LeVac Goss joined by a good friend of ours from Sports Illustrated. It's Matt Verderam. And you thought we were gone. You thought you'd never have to deal with us again. We're, we're literally back on the radio, Matt, just to harass you. Well, you know, there have been worse things that have happened to me in my life. Not too many, but <laughs> a few. <laughs> the schedules are out and they, like, they leak and everything before. So you kind of have an idea of the bigger games. But... What was your main takeaway so far? Do you see any of the franchises you think got hosed by the schedule makers? Anybody who got a big favor? What was your big takeaway? You know, I, I think it all depends on how you look at it. Look, this 
this time too in, in the league's, uh, I guess, recent era. Now you have these unbalanced schedules. You, have, you know, some of these teams have eight home games and nine away, which is the case of the NFC this year. So for the NFC, you're always going to have stretches of, of games where you, you have a three game road trip because you play more road games. The Giants have a ridiculous schedule to start the year. I think it's like seven out of ten to start the year on the road. That is. That is tough. Like if you're the Giants and you even go five and five through those first ten games, you throw it to death. Um, yeah, they, they they have a real gripe. And then you know, look, you look at the AFC side of things. Um, I, now, some of this you already knew because you already know who the, the teams are going to be playing. You just didn't know the, the the when. But you know, the the Bills. I thought look, their schedule's already ridiculous. I mean, they have to play the AFC West. They've obviously got to play the AFC East. Gets by the NFC East. You can make a real argument those are the three best divisions in the NFL, although the AFC North might have something to say. And then on top of that, the Bills lose a home game to go play in London against Jacksonville, which is basically a home game for the Jaguars. They play over there every year. And Jacksonville is playing in London the week prior, so they're going to be just sitting there waiting for Buffalo. I think the Bills, you can make a real case the Bills have the hardest schedule in the NFL this year. With how difficult the Giants' schedule is and how difficult the Bills' schedule is, and I know you in the past you've looked at this and been able to break down, should the fan bases of both those teams even be worried enough that they could miss the playoffs because of how tough it is? The Giants could. Uh, you know, and, I, and I like the Giants. I think the Giants, you know, I know some people are like, well, are they flukes, are they not a fluke? I, I think the Giants are really well coached, but I do think – that, that division is really tough. I mean, Dallas and Philly are two of the best teams in the league. Obviously, Philly defending conference champ. Uh, you know, and the Giants, I mean, when you're talking seven ten games on the road, start the year, I don't care if you're an upper echelon team. That's a really tough schedule, let alone a team that you're kind of still trying to find your way into that contender's window, in my opinion. Now, that all said, here's the benefit that the Giants have. The Giants play in a conference where Vanderbilt might be the fifth seed this year. So that that bails them out. The Bills, I don't see a world unless they're hurt where the Bills don't make the playoffs. I will say this, though, that division, you know, everybody's talking about Aaron Rodgers. I'll tell you what, I think the biggest offseason addition of any team this year was Vic Fangio for the Dolphins defense coordinator. That team is going to play defense. I think they're the best team in that division. Um, if two is healthy, which, of course, is a massive question mark, but – I think the Bills, like, they could, they could even be better than they were a year ago and still have a worse record because their schedule is just that difficult. Yeah, the East is is insane. Is is Aaron Rodgers enough to, you know, kind of level the gap between the Bills and the Jets? You know, so I picked all the AFC records over on SI. I think it went up this morning, or actually it went up uh, Friday morning. Um I had them. I had the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins all eleven and six. Wow. I mean, I, I just think now part of that is the Bills are playing a first place schedule. Okay, the Jets are playing a last place schedule. So, for those who don't understand that, essentially, if you win your division, you play all the other inter, you know AFC division winners from a year ago. Where for the Jets, they're playing all these teams finish in fourth place. I think the Bills are a better team than the Jets, but because of the way the schedule lays out. I actually think they could end up being just about even, if not even. Miami, Miami's playing a second-place schedule. I think Miami and Buffalo are neck and neck. Again, if two is healthy and he can play. Um, that all said, look, the one question I have with the Jets is their offensive line. I mean, everybody talks about Rodgers and the defense. That's all fine. 
their tackles are a real concern. Like that's a that, that's a potential season killing problem for the Jets because Rodgers is not 28 years old anymore. He's not going to be able to scramble out of a bunch of pressure. Um, I think the weapons are good enough, especially with Garrett Wilson there. Uh, I think the defense will do its job, but that is the big concern I have. Is it just going to be one of these things against a really good pass rush where the Jets struggle? Matt Verderam, NFL Insider. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Verderam. And hear him right here on Fox Sports Radio 95.9 and 980 with us, LeBron Goss. Yeah, we've seen the NFL schedule in the past build traditions, whether it's the Thanksgiving Day games, whether it's that first kickoff on a Thursday involving the defending Super Bowl champions. In 2023, we get games on New Year's Eve. We get a marquee game on Christmas Day. We get the Amazon Black Friday game. Matt, do you see some of these new 2023 dates likely staying on the schedule for the future? It'd be nice if the NFL would give me one holiday to enjoy. <laughs> um, but they didn't consult Matt Verderam about this. So, you know, shockingly, I was expecting a call from Raj any moment. Um, look, I, I mean, yeah, the Black Friday thing's here to stay. Because at this point, with the way America consumes, I mean, that's a national holiday on the same level, I think, at Christmas at this point. Um, Christmas, yeah, the, the, the game's... There only because it's a Monday, so they just turned it into well. We'll just have a you know three pack of games. Um, whereas I think if Christmas fell on like a Wednesday or something, I don't think they'd have any games there. New Year's Eve just happens to be a Sunday this year. Um, I think as long as you know, New Year's Eve is a Saturday, Sunday, or a Monday, they're going to play games there. So I think it just kind of fell in a way to some extent where it just worked out perfectly for the NFL, and they big as you know. I mean, they, they have every single. Thing covered, like you guys said. I mean, obviously Thanksgiving, but then you have Christmas and you have New Year's Eve and you have New Year's Day and you have you have Black Friday and um, you know, I mean, even not that it's a holiday, but it's obviously a notable event. I mean, you have nine eleven, which is a Monday night, which is going to be a game in New York with the Jets and the Bills. So um, any notable date, they pretty much have covered from Labor Day through New Year's. Uh, but I think a lot of it, like the Black Friday stuff, I mean, Amazon's going to want that forever because it's an easy, easy uh, day where a lot of people are home the Friday after Thanksgiving, and you can just rack up the, the ratings. I mean, there is no business like the NFL. If they put a game, I firmly believe this, if they put a game on at 10 o'clock in the morning Eastern time on a Wednesday, 20 million people would watch the game. <laughs> what call out of work? They don't. They don't just stop working and sit around the break room watching. Like it's just it, that. That's what the sport has become in the United States. Matt Verderam with us, and, and Matt, you know, you are a Chiefs fan, and that's something to be proud of. I'm a Raiders fan. That's something I'm trying to hide from a lot of people. But <laughs> these teams don't like each other. The rivalry is back. The Raiders have been punks to the Chiefs. The Chiefs did the ring around the the rosy thing, breaking the huddle to mock the Raiders back. Yep. Are, are are the Nickelodeon kids going to see some fist fights on Christmas? First of all, uh, Merry Christmas to you. Enjoy your Christmas. Uh, <laughs> the Raiders go in and give up 55 points at Arrowhead on Christmas. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping for yeah, some better so, things. <laughs> I, 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 saw, I saw that game come out and immediately thought to myself, like, if you're a Raiders fan, that's just have fun, guys. Christmas, 45 to 10. Um, I, you know what? It's a great rivalry. It dates back to the 60s. It has been a great rivalry. But, you know, it's, I don't know how you feel. Of course, you're, you're so close to being a Raiders fan. I just, I see the Raiders doing what every other team has done that has had a, a coach come out of New England, where they just bring in everybody who ever played for New yes. England. Yeah. Like, it's just, I actually wrote about this for SI, I don't know, maybe a month and a half ago, where 
if you look at like when Matt Patricia went to Detroit, they literally brought a third of their active roster was from New England. A third of it. Like, Joe Judge, bring in Patriots, whatever it takes. Just bring them all in. And now you look at the Raiders, and it's like, I, I almost wonder, did they even have a conversation about bringing anybody who's not from New England? Or are they like, look, Jimmy Garoppolo, did he play for New England? Absolutely. Bring him in. Philip Dorsett, yep, he checks that box. Bring him in. Jacoby Myers, pay him like he's Jerry Rice. It doesn't matter. Bring him in. He plays for New England. Like Matt, we're even selling the like, team. We're even selling the team to people from New England now. That's what we're doing. Yeah, like it's, it's honestly, it's almost like it doesn't matter. Like if the guy can perform or stay healthy, and I like Jacoby Myers, and Myers a good player, but like they, there's just this this odd thing when you come out of New England. And look, I, I, you mentioned I'm a Chiefs fan. Like I remember when Scott Pioli went to the Chiefs. And they just immediately brought in, like, washed-up Mike Vrabel and Matt Castle. And, like, they, they just – it didn't matter. As long as the guy had played for the Patriots, that was good enough. Um, I, I think it's going to be uh, – I think it's going to be an interesting season for the Raiders. But I, I look forward to that Christmas Day game. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my fear is the kids. They tune in for, you know, Patrick Starfish to help break it down. And the Raiders, uh, you know, to your point, I don't know if we can win the game. So they might try to win some fights. These kids are going to learn some things. Well, you know what? Sometimes the kids have to learn some things, and you know, it's, you know, they're going to they're turn on that game. And uh, you're right; they probably are going to see some pushing, some shoving, maybe some bad sportsmanship. Um, that's fine. I mean, it's you know, listen. I know, I know, we live in the day and age where everything's got to be perfect and yeah. nice and sweet, yes. and that's fine. That's fine. I'm not saying I'm against that, but at the same point, sometimes you got to turn on a game and see somebody cussing somebody out at the fifty yard line. That's that's football. So they're probably going to get plenty of it on Christmas. Merry Christmas again, everyone. Make sure to tune in to Nickelodeon this year. Matt, do you see a team now early, so early, probably too early for me to even ask this, but I'm going to do it anyways, a team that struggled in 2022 and because of the, what they've done in the offseason and how the schedule lays out, that they could be that surprise team that gets into the playoffs in 2023? So... I've thought about this because somebody actually asked me this the other day, and I, I, it like kind of made me really churn my brain. I think Carolina is going to be a, a pretty good team this year. Um, when you look at the AFC and NFC Southern divisions, they're terrible outside of Jacksonville, right? Like I think most people feel that way. New Orleans is like somewhat interesting, but my reasoning is those two divisions play each other this year, so somebody's going to win a bunch of games, right? Like somebody's just going to like in those. In those games, because like no matter who you are, obviously you're playing your six interdivisional games, and then you play the other division. That's ten of your seventeen games, or just those two divisions. So somebody in the NFC South has got to do it. Look, I, I don't trust Dennis Allen. I just don't. I, I don't. I have no reason to think that he's capable of coaching the Saints for like twelve wins. I like Frank Reich. Evero's a really good defensive coordinator who got out of Denver and went to Carolina. Bryce Young is the leap of faith. I, mean, I, I love his talent. I am worried about his size at the NFL level. But if you look at the Panthers, they've got some good young players. Like, that team actually does have some talent. I don't think the Panthers are going to the Super Bowl or anything. Don't get me wrong. But do I think they could win 10 games and maybe be a team that you look at and go, okay, they're interesting? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they, maybe Atlanta, although Ritter I, just, I have a lot of questions about, but I like their, their roster. I'll take Carolina. I think Carolina could be an interesting team. Matt Verderam with us uh, from Sports Illustrated. Matt, I've got this – I'm putting my picks together still, but I've kind of got a thing for Jacksonville. It would be kind of crazy if the two nine, class of 95 teams met in the Super Bowl. That would be pretty neat. 
that would also be science fiction, I think. But yes. Um, <laughs> Never let I, the truth get in the way of a good story, Matt. Come on. <laughs> listen, I like Jacksonville a lot. If Carolina gets to the Super Bowl, the NFC should be disbanded. Okay, and I and I just and I just pick Carolina to make the playoffs, and win that division, or at least think, I think they could. Um, if Carolina goes to the Super Bowl, I would be bored. But Jacksonville. Here's the thing, though. To your point about Jacksonville, again, the schedule's a joke. They play. They play six games in the AFC South against. I mean, they can legitimately go six and zero. Like worst case, be five and one. They play the NFC South. They could absolutely sweep those teams. Again, worst case, maybe like three and one. Even if you think the worst case is there, you're eight and two. Now they do have to play the Bills. Okay, they do have to play the Bengals. They do have to play the Chiefs. Um, they, they they play Baltimore. We'll see how hard Pittsburgh and Cleveland are. I mean, those are kind of the wild card type teams in the AFC. But Jacksonville could easily win. 12 games, and you look at that, and then that conference with how much those teams are going to beat each other up. Like, if Jacksonville wins the right combinations of games, they could be fighting for a number one seed. Now, I I don't think they're better than the Bengals or the Chiefs. I don't. Uh, and I still think even the Bills and the Dolphins are a little more talented. But the Bills and the Dolphins are going to beat up on one another, along with the Jets and the AFC East. Um, you know, and the Bengals are going to have to fight in that really tough division. Even the Chiefs, I mean, look, they're you know, they're, they got the Chargers in that division. It's not easy. Um, but Jacksonville, I'm with you on Jacksonville. Jacksonville, it would not shock me if they make a deep postseason run. In less than shocking fashion, Levac has blamed me over the past few media rows and radio rows, worldwide pandemics, birth of children. We've not been there in a few years. But Just this selfish, year, guys. Just but, selfish. But this year it is in Las Vegas. Hopefully we'll be meeting up with you again very soon in a few months. But who are the teams? We put you on the spot again in May. Unfairly, <laughs> Matt Vernoram. Give us your Super Bowl pick. That's why I can't believe they let you people back on the radio. Um, <laughs> so far. I, I mean, I guess if I had that, I, I, I'll be honest. I hate picking repeats because they just don't happen. So I won't pick a full repeat. I do think Kansas City, until somebody proves otherwise, they just did every year. I mean, they've three of the last four years. I'm just going to take them. I still think they're the best team in the league. They're the odds on favor in every book you can find. The NFC is harder for me. I love Philly, but there's a part of me that says, well, you know, do they, do they have another year like that? They did lose a lot in free agency. I'm going to do something that I will. You know what, guys? Here's, I'm going to do something I'm going to instantly regret because I know that I know by like week three, I'm going to think, why? Why did I do this? I'm going to say the Cowboys. All right. I, I, I think the Chiefs and the Cowboys get this. I, I have deep fear picking Dallas to do anything good in January, but I'll say Kansas City and Dallas in the Super Bowl. And if you made me pick a winner, I would take that. I would take Kansas City. I think Kansas City stole the best name in the league. Matt Verderam, check him out in uh, Sports Illustrated, and of course on Twitter at Matt Verderam. And hopefully, Gaz does his job this year, and uh, we're buying you a beer or twelve in, in Vegas for the big game. You guys would finally be worth knowing you. <laughs> a lot of regrets. Super Bowl pick for Dallas going on the show, Matt. We'll talk again soon. Goodbye. Take care. Levac here for USX Pest Control. The non-chemical exclusion system is amazing. I had Tim from USX come out to the house. He walked around. He showed me where the potential problem spots would be and what we would need to do to make sure that I didn't have to worry about invasive you know little rodents and nastiness we went around the attic i learned about bats where they come from how you can tell whether or not they've been there mice in the basement how you can tell whether or not they've been there all these things and then 
get this, I find out one of the houses across the street has a termite problem. I called Tim over at USX Pest Control. Let him know. He said, here's why you're safe. A lot of concrete between you and that. However, we're going to go ahead and take a look and make sure it's okay. It is amazing how, how just better I feel, how much safer, how much just more relaxed I am with my house because of USX Pest Control, part of the Gagne family of brands. You may remember Cat's Eye Pest Control. Well, now it's USXPest.com. Some of you might know this music playing behind me right now. Some may not. That is Ja Rule and Ashanti. And it feels like Ja Rule and that name lives up, at least the attitude over the last 20 years, about another Ja, and that's Ja Moran of the Memphis Grizzlies. So a little backpedal here before we get into this. By the way, LeVac Goss, as you just heard there, LeVac is in and out of the show today. He is remote content creating from Orlando, so you'll get some more LeVac throughout the week here. The story involves Ja Morant, superstar player for the Memphis Grizzlies, and Ja Rule. Well, again, backpedal a little bit. If you don't know who Ja Rule is, back in the early 2000s, Ja Rule was dominating the top 40 airwaves. Hits like that always on time with Ashanti, Jennifer Lopez, and more. He was the guy who was finding his way higher and higher up on the Billboard charts, making some money, and having that radio pop hit song. It almost was this attitude that Ja Rule was crossing two different worlds of the cotton candy pop single to hip-hop and R&B. It was the first to have those worlds mesh. And the big criticism of Ja Rule's work and style came when 50 Cent came along and Get Rich or Die Trying. 50 Cent went at Ja Rule. Dissed him all over the place. Some would argue changed his career forever because 50 Cent wanted this new side of the field. He wanted to step over into the American pop culture world, having a relationship with Eminem, having a relationship with Dr. Dre, while still keeping his story of growing up on the streets live and popular and relating to an audience. Now, that's the music translation where 50 Cent was calling Ja Rule for the sake of me staying on the radio, not getting in trouble. Let's call him fake, not real, not authentic. 50 Cent talking about how he got shot. It doesn't get much realer than that. In this back and forth between who's real, who's authentic, what people care about, what people want to consume and more fits perfectly for what's going on with John Morant. If you're not on social media, you haven't been following the story over the last 24 hours. John Morant has been suspended from all Memphis Grizzly team activities because of a video that's shown up online of, again, John Morant having a gun. These are now multiple incidents we've heard involving John Morant, whether it's him threatening a teenager to pick up basketball game, whether it's another video with John Morant having a gun. It's been over and over about this. I saw the debates, and I think I've heard some of these on GY coming up today. That some people have pointed to John Morant. Will Kane has said, whoa, whoa, whoa. John Morant can own a gun. Why are people freaking out about John Morant, an American citizen, owning a gun and showing his gun on social media? From what we've seen, he hasn't committed a crime. We don't know what legal permits he has within what states. It's just a guy with a gun on social media, and the world wants to freak out. And there are some people who believe that. Whoa. Just because he's a superstar and is doing something we're not comfortable seeing doesn't mean he's committing a crime. Maybe partially true. 
I understand that take, but it's not so much about that as it is to the why for me. Why do you want to be on social media toting the gun? Why do you want one of your friends to show you in a video with a gun? Who are you trying to impress? What are you trying to do? Look, if you're just hanging out with your buddies or you're doing something, I don't know, if we're not NBA players, we'll use this example. Maybe you're it's a Friday night and you're at the bar and a few of your buddies are having drinks. And you take a picture of one of your buddies having a swig of beer. Okay, I guess you could post it on social media. I'm not sure why. Maybe, hey, celebrating a graduation. Okay, not everything needs to be on social media. What are you trying to do? Fish for compliments? Show how tough you are? Mother's Day was yesterday. I love my mom. Love my wife. My sister's pregnant. I have a bunch of moms in my life. Grandma, everybody. Well, one of the things that cracks me up every Mother's Day is when people post about their moms on social media, knowing that their mom is not on social media. So who is that for? Who, who's? You could just call your mom. Hey, mom. Happy Mother's Day. What's going on? I could FaceTime your mom. Take her out to breakfast. It's nice that she got a Facebook post. I'm not going to post about my mom on Instagram. She doesn't know what it is. So some of this is just for show. You know, like Ja Rule back in the day was hanging out with Jennifer Lopez and Ashanti. He was doing it for a show to say, hey, I'm popular with them. You should buy my music because I associate with these people. 50 Cent, call them out on it. Hey, man, you're fake. You're not authentic. You're not real. You're not living the lifestyle. You're not using the rap game the right way to tell a story and a message about people going through struggles. You think everything's great. I'm calling you out on that BS. And that's what people are doing to John Morant right now. Why is John Morant wanting to do this? If you want to own a gun, fine. But why do you got to keep showing it on Instagram? Who are you trying to impress in your comment section? And it's 2023. It's the second time I had to remind people what year it is. We all see it. You put it in a public forum, man. If you didn't want anyone to see it, you wouldn't post it. That's what I'm more concerned about with anything when it comes to John Morant. Earlier in the show, we mentioned that in that draft class, it was Zion Williamson, John Morant, and R.J. Barrett from the New York Knicks. Who would have ever thought that here in mid-May, R.J. Barrett was the number one, depending on what high school site you looked at, recruiting the country in that class. But it was clear as day in that draft class when the NBA draft rolled around that Zion was better and Ja was better. Ja's been basketball on the court performance-wise better than those two. Zion's barely played. Zion's gotten real fat. He's pounded down the desserts. I like Zion. I can't defend it anymore, man. Zion never played and still got paid. What a life. So Zion hasn't performed. We are at the point now with early Joel Embiid, Greg Oden, Christoph's Porzingis. My God, Zion's not even there at that point. And then John Morant, you're going to bet on the future of John Morant? I see the dunks. I see the skill set. I see what the guy can do. But Memphis played well without him. Go look at the numbers. That was around a 60-plus winning percentage without their quote-unquote best player. 
And I put that in quotes because Memphis has to start wondering that. Is this guy worth it? We know how good he is on the court. But is he going to get suspended? Is he going to get in trouble with the law? What's the showcase of this? Who is he trying to prove stuff to? Is he an idiot early 20-something that just wants to show how tough he is? What lifestyle he's living? Is that someone you want to invest your future in for the future of Memphis? So, look, Ja wants to go out and be publicly tough and flash the gun everywhere. We'll see how the NBA enforces that or checks up on him or see what law he is or isn't following when it comes to state regulations and where he's taking those videos. I can't bank on Zion playing anytime soon. So congratulations, RJ Barrett. Your team's gone the furthest. You've had the biggest impact in the postseason in comparison to those two guys. Knicks fans, how about that? It would have been awesome to get John Morant. Maybe you, the pun's too easy there, so I'll pass on that. You could have had Zion over Julius Randle, but Zion's never on the court. Yankee fan wants to criticize John Carlos Stanton and Jacoby Ellsbury and others in the past because they never played. My goodness, this guy never plays. I'm worried about John Morant. Not because of the people he's hanging out with because I don't know them and I don't know their past and there hasn't been enough research done of who those people are. I'm not worried so much about him just owning a gun. I'm worried about him wanting to put it in a public form and say, look at me, look at me, look how tough I am. Look what I can do. It's like Stewart for Mad TV in the past. Fishing for compliments or acceptance or something else. I want to root for him because he's so good. I've called John Moran a mix between Vince Carter and Derrick Rose. And in a world where you're sometimes become popular because of the highlights that pop up on TikTok, John Moran puts on a show. But I don't want him in New York. I don't want to give him $200 million. I don't want him building a brand on social media. John Morant could be that next star. John Morant could be the next MVP of the league and the most exciting player, not just in the NBA, but all major professional sports in North America. That's how great his game is from the days of Murray State and on. But someone's got to talk to this dude and be like, you want to live your life? Fine. But everything doesn't need to get likes. You don't need to go get retweets and IG heart bubbles. You don't have to tell your buddies and share the video constantly, man. Someone just talk to John Morant and say, keep it off social. And you can make yourself a lot of money and get in the good graces with the league. All right, we got hour two coming up on the way. Our pal Brady Farkas, Capital Region's own, Shenna High School's own. He's going to join us for the top four at four, thanks to Mohawk Honda. He's going to talk about the biggest stories with us. Plus, we got to talk Red Sox. we got to talk Celtics and more. That's on the way coming up. Slovak and Giles right here on WOFX 95.9 and 980, the voice of the Capital Region sports fan.